welcome to Season 2 of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman. The song you just heard is Back Where It All Begins by the Allman Brothers Band. And it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Sam Barber. So Sam Barber is currently entering his 10th season as the head coach of the Air Force Wrestling Program. And this past year was one of the best in program history. Five Falcons qualified for the 2023 NCAA tournament, and they finished tied for 18th as a team. As great as the last year it was, Coach Barber and company are looking for even better results this upcoming season. Sam himself, Coach Barber, wrestled at Upper Iowa, who was Division Three at the time, and for Coach Mike McCready, he ended up being a two-time national qualifier. And really, I'll tell you this right now. Do not be surprised if Air Force has an even better year in 2023-2024 because Coach Barber and company, they have that team believing that they can climb to new heights. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy Coach Sam Barber. I thought about it, and you graduated from Upper Iowa in 99? 95. 95, 95, okay. Yeah. Well, my uncle, Chet Bachman, went to Upper Iowa I coached him. So I saw you what, last you night. I was him? like, yeah. Huh. Yep. Sorry. Sorry you had to do that. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's um. so like he's, you know, I knew there was a connection there with Chet. I saw your last name. And then Crozier, didn't Chet marry Crozier's sister or something like that? Uh, so uh, my sister married Steve. Okay. Yeah. But who'd Chet marry? Uh, so Chet married uh, Rachel Newhouse. Okay. And her brother's Jeremy, who was the first state champion in MFL Marmac history. Yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was in '96. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, I remember that. And then uh, Chris Raber was coaching over there for a little bit. He was a guy that was at Upper Iowa too, um, in MFL. And then Carl Long might have coached over there a little bit too before he went over to DeKalb. Who was the coach for Chet? Who's Chet's high school coach? He was there forever at MFL. My, wow. Uh, I he don't was know. A long time My guess coach. is Doug Martin. My guess is Doug Martin. It was Doug Martin. Okay. Yeah. Where'd you get your start at? But I grew up in Western New York and started wrestling there as a. You know, pro- late, right? Late compared to most people, uh, junior high, seventh grade, and um, fell in love with the sport pretty quick. And we were a pretty, we were a really blue collar, low socioeconomic family, and um, kind of wanted to, you know, had a sense that I wanted to have a different life than what I'd been, what I've been exposed to, and what I grew up around. <laughs> and at that time, um, uh, college education was, you know, the kind of the, the, the key, right. Um, you know, tied to what I do now, most of my family went in the military. Hmm. Uh, and that part, I had a huge pull. I wanted to do that. I wanted to serve, but it, not at the expense of it was going to lead me back to my hometown doing the same thing that I had been doing, you know, working construction and, um, you know, uh, I just, just felt like there, there was more out there. I wanted to see, I wasn't necessarily running away, from Western New York, but felt like I was running towards something else. And I wasn't so sure what that was, but um, I've definitely found that. And then I uh, showed up in Fayette, Iowa uh, and, uh, you know, really sight unseen, really had never been to Northeast Iowa, didn't know much about it. Um, It was an easy decision for me choosing colleges because I applied to about 20 colleges and I only got one acceptance letter. So I made that decision. It, it made it made it pretty easy to decide where I was going to go, um, but I was pretty set on coming to Iowa. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to be someplace where wrestling was important, where it was part of the cultural fabric of of uh, of the place. And I just, uh, you know, I kind of like blindly hit the jackpot in uh, coming up where Iowa and getting to uh, wrestle for Mike McCready. So who ended up being a, uh, who ended up being just like. Unbelievable mentor, role model to me, someone that, you know, looked up to, still look up to. And then a year after that, again, hit the jackpot again, and the University of Minnesota showed up with Jay Robinson intensive camps. And then I started working those camps for Jay and did that for, oh, man, well over 20 years up until up until 2009. 
when I came to Air Force. So, um, you know, those those two those two chance meetings between Mike McCready and Jay Robinson, you know, changed my life forever. Why'd you fall in love with the sport? You know, did um, in your family do it? Like what even no, made you decide to wrestle in the first place? Uh, no, you know, first generation high school graduate and, and the only athlete in the, in the, in the family, you know, we were, you, when you got to be of working age, you went and got a job, you know, that was kind of what you did and you kind of helped the family out. Uh, but for me, I'd, I'd started playing sports. I did play you know, like some youth football and some of that stuff. So I always enjoyed like sports and, um, you know, wrestling, I don't know, you know, I just like, I think it's, there's weird people like us out there that just enjoy doing hard things. You know, I think they call it type two fun now. I don't know. There's like <laughs> labels for it, but I've just never, you know, I've always been attracted to things that, um, were, were challenging and wrestling was hard for me. It was like, you know, I never, you know, I never, I've never, ever achieved my goals in wrestling. Never. And, um, and I think some people get dissuaded by that, but for me, it's just, that's what kept me coming back. Hmm. Yeah. So how, what was your high school career like out there in New York? Right. Yeah, it was, you know, um, again, like I got the, the worst comp. I, I shouldn't brag about this too often in, uh, in public spaces, but I got the worst competition credentials in all of division one coaching. So I just, you know, never really accomplished much as a wrestler. I was in high school. There's only one class in New York. It was like, you know, like California, Indiana, New Jersey, New York. It shifted. It's New York has more classes now. But um, so you had to win your section to go to the state tournament. And it was a 16 man bracket in the state tournament. I got second in the section. I lost to the state champ um, in, a, in a, you know, really tight match. Um, and that was it. You know, so I was. You know, I did that twice and missed going to the state tournament my junior and senior year. So, um, yeah, probably a little bit better high school year career than that, right? But it was just the circumstances of where I had this, the the state New York state champ in my bracket two years in a row. And, um, you know, probably if you don't have that guy, you're in a different section. Who knows, you know, you know, what have should have, could have, but um yeah, you know, never, never accomplished my goals in high school and then went on to college and uh, you had a goal being an All-American, qualified for the national tournament a couple of times, but again, never, ne never achieved that level of success either. So, yeah, what brought you, did you, okay, so you said you applied to about 20 colleges. Where else did you apply besides Upper Iowa? Oh, well, pretty much the entire Iowa Athletic Conference, you know. <laughs> And in uh, a couple of schools in New York, you know, mm -hmm. a couple of schools in New York. But yeah, I was, again, you know, we were just, you know, not to get too in depth on it, just, you know, my, you know, the way I grew up and the family, you know, where I came from and where I came out of it just was, those things weren't valued. Education wasn't important. You know, um, people didn't go to college. Um, it just, just wasn't something that happened. So to be able to do that and there's, there's circumstances around how I even got into Upper Iowa. Upper Iowa was in a really tough spot at that time. Um, you know, they essentially didn't have admission standards. So really, yeah. So it almost, it was, they were about ready to go under, you know, financially they were just, you know, they were buried. Wow. And, uh, the model was to go out and find, um, poor kids that got full athletics, you know, funding, you know, government funding and get those kids in the school. And, uh, it's pretty interesting. Uh, you look back at the people who graduated from that institution that time and the things that they're doing now, because they were all first generation college students, you know, low social economic, really some rough backgrounds. And, and it's, there's a, that place changed a lot of people's lives for the better. Wow. How come, you know, why was it so important for you then to go to college, you know, when you, you sort of had this maybe pull from your family that it was not necessary, you know, you don't need it, you know, it's work, you know, go into the working field instead. Oh, I think it's just, again, I had a sense that there was something bigger out there, something different. I wasn't so sure what that was, but um I just, I looked around and saw what was in front of me and didn't feel like that was going to be a great fit. Um, 
And again, I, I, a lot of it was still, I had, I still had a, I still had a real strong love for the sport of wrestling too. I wasn't, I didn't want to be done wrestling, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's probably some of that, you know, just like, um, the first couple of years was probably me more, um, trying to get, get that fix of the sport of wrestling. Um, and the byproduct of it was after my eligibility was up, I had a degree. Yeah. What was your degree in? Uh, sports recreation. Sports recreation. Yeah. Nice. And so you went to Upper Iowa and did you say you went sight unseen? I'd been out. I, yeah, we've been out there. I've been out there for one day, you know, I've been out there for one day and um, came and wrestled in a tournament, a freestyle mm-hmm. tournament. My high school, my high school, another tie to the top where I was, my high school coach was an alumni. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh, world, geez. Yeah. And then he was a head, he was a head coach at Martinsdale St. Mary's for a while. Oh, no so kidding. Coached pretty good wrestlers over there. Yeah. Wow. And so you came out to upper Iowa. Um, you had a good career, you know, um, like you said, you didn't, which, I mean, the very, very few wrestlers, I, I would say probably achieve their goals, you know? Yeah. Um, but you, did you, you didn't waste any time going into the coaching field. Did you like know that you wanted to be a coach or? No, again, like, you know, my, my whole life is just based on, you know, big part of it has just been, I've been at the right place at the right time, you know, circumstances, blessings, you know, um, good, good fortune, you know, whatever you want to call it. But the year I graduated um, from Upper Iowa, the assistant coach um, decided late in the season to move on and do something different. And coach McCready just asked me if I wanted to stick around and be kind of a student coach for a year. Um, so I, uh, again, was like, well, so you're telling me I can get paid to wrestle every day. And, uh, <laughs> so that was kind of, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really, um, it wasn't a hard decision. You know, I still love the sport and, you know, that was kind of my role as assistant coach was, uh, was the wrestler every day. And then I took over recruiting, which I, you know, I, you know, I, I really liked that part as well. And, um, you know, one year turned into two and two years turned into 27. <laughs> uh, it's funny how that, yeah. How that just sort of how, how it yeah. works. <laughs> um, what, how did you end up at Augsburg? So if you go back to um, a little bit about me, I guess, is that like, so when that job that Coach McCready offered me, it paid $6,000 a year. Um, So it's, I always tell people that they want to say they want to get into this, the industry. I'm like, well, it's not a career. It's a lifestyle, you know, like, you know, it's a little bit better now. I know we hire assistant coaches now and pay them a lot more, you know, than I made my first job, but I started out making $6,000 a year and, you know, and incrementally I went up a little bit, but you know, when, when coach came and asked me, you know, that was not even part of the conversation. Right. It was like, it was like, Hey, do you want to coach? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. and then he's like, well, we're going to pay you X. Can you live off of that? I'm like, I'll find a way, you know, uh, because it was the right opportunity. You know, I think that was like, it was the right opportunity. It was what I wanted to do. It was where my passion was at. So like, um, money wasn't, wasn't consideration. So I, Mike McCready, coach McCready passed away in December 15th, 1999, um, had a heart attack after practice and passed away. Oh, we were in the locker room together. So part of my, you know, his, he was mentoring me, even as a coach, um, he made me promise that I would go get my master's degree. And, um, when he passed away, they, they offered me the head coaching job. And I was, and I was like, there's no way like I could, will be the head coach and get my master's degree. I'll throw myself into this and this is what I'll do. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'll never go. So I turned down the head coaching job and then I went to Minnesota state Mankato for where Jim McCoskey was at. And he had, he had offered me a position as the grad assistant. So I went and got my, um, my master's degree there. Heath Grimm came over and took over the program at Upper Iowa and he's been there ever since and done a great job. So it's been, it's been a good situation for, for everybody. But so I went to Mankato um, and got my master's degree. And then I was there 
and I got a call from Jeff Swenson at Augsburg and um, asked me if I was interested in coaching position. It was the same thing, you know, went up, had, had dinner with him, um, said, Hey, would you like to do this? And I was like, Yep. And he's like, well, don't you want to know how much we're going to pay you? I'm like, well, sure. You're going to pay me as much as you can. Um, it's not about that. It's about, this is the right opportunity. So, you know, that's kind of how I ended up there. They were a strong, obviously perennial powerhouse in division three felt like I would learn a lot about, you know, what they're doing in their program to have that type of success. And then having that type of success, if, uh, if I needed to go someplace after that, um, being part of that program, you know, I felt like would uh, provide good experience and, you know, valuable experience that somebody else might be, you know, want me to be part of their program. Yeah. You know, we, you sort of talked about it a little bit earlier uh, that, you know, you didn't have the credentials. So this kind of goes as an umbrella over your entire coaching career, but, you know, how, how have you adjusted to, you know, feeling that you belong, even though you may not have the credentials, Cause that can be, um, be sort of difficult, you know, especially starting out blind ignorance, you know, <laughs> I've just never like, it's like, yeah, if I was a normal person, I probably would have never went down this path and pursued the positions that I pursued, but for somehow, you know, for some, that's just never been something that I really like has never bothered me that much. Like I just, I just love doing what I've done and I've shown up every day with passion and I've worked hard and I've been around good people that have offered me good advice and mentorship and be honest with you. I've never had like an, the imposter syndrome or any kind of like, um, I've never felt like I've had to try and prove anything because I didn't have competition credentials. I've kind of just showed up and did the best job I could do. And then the opportunities that presented themselves, I haven't, I, I've, I never went out seeking any of the opportunities I didn't call Augsburg. They called me, right. I didn't call the Olympic training center. They called me. I didn't call Joel Sherritt to come work at the air force Academy. They called me when, when the chance come up to be the head coach here. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't go over and seek that job. The athletic director asked me to apply for it. So like that part of it, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Never really had that question, Kelby. So that's, that's a pretty good question, but I've never, you know, I bet people ask me that sometimes like, like, Hey, what's it like setting across the map from John Smith? I'm like, I don't know. I've never really thought about it that way. You know, it's just like, I've tried to train our athlete to be the best version of themselves they can on the mat. And I know they do the same thing and it's never really concerned me about, you know, who I was setting across from. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when you, when you go in, if, if I guess I would say that if you go in and a recruit and maybe I'm thinking too, I don't know, but if you go in and a recruit is worried about that, maybe, maybe they're just not for you, I guess, you know, if they're worried about the credentials that you have or whatever, like instead of what you actually bring to the table, which is, I think a lot. Well, that's happened a few times, you know, there's been, you know, guys that we've, uh, you know, there's some pretty credential coaches out there and even, even, in, even in, um, even in schools that we compete with a lot, like, you know, Navy, right. When Joel Sherritt was at Navy, you know, like three-time national finalist, national champion, you know, University of Iowa, um, and could carry Colot now. And we've, and we've lost guys, um, to them just based on the head coach's credentials. But to your point, um, the athletes we've lost haven't gone to those institutions and lit it up. You know, and I would say it's because if you're making decisions is based on just what someone's resume is and you're not taking a deeper look and say, hey, like, how do I fit, you know, with this head coach? And, you know, can we work together? And Can they can they do for me what I need done to reach my goals? Then, you know, that's probably just it's just not a good approach. Right. Mm-hmm. Just to blindly make a decision because of somebody's competition credentials, especially when there was two things like great wrestlers don't always become great coaches. And, um, you know, it's just two separate skill sets altogether. Yeah. Bingo. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, you know, you, you said it yourself, you, you say you have the worst credentials for a division one coach, but yet, I mean, you've taken a program like Air Force and brought them to heights that are probably unseen in the history of the program, you know, or close to it. Um, but before I get to the Air Force, um, you know, the Air Force Academy, you had 10 All-Americans in 05 with Augsburg. 
You know, how special was that, that everybody got on the podium? You know, that's like a Minnesota, yeah. an 01 Minnesota team, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, um, it doesn't matter like what division you're coaching. That's the other thing too. I've coached right. division three, I've coached division two, I've coached division one. Right. And, um, and everybody wants to be as good as they can be. And the national tournament is just as stressful. <laughs> if you're a division three, division two, division one, it doesn't really matter where you're at. So like the amount of stress at a national tournament, especially if you're trying, especially if you're in like championship contention, like it's, um, you know, the, 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 it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, the, 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 the roller coaster of emotions you have in, in those things. Uh, and the one thing that stuck, stuck out, you know, about the 2017 was um, um, that we had the tournament wrapped up uh, before the first day was even over. Like the tournament was over. We'd want it. Right. Oh, so, yeah. So that part was it. I think when that happened, you know, because we had just some really good early rounds and, you know, I don't remember, I don't remember how many guys we had in the semifinals, like seven. I know we put six in the finals, Wow. We put six in the finals, all 10, all Americans. And I don't think anybody was less than fourth, maybe even third. Wow. You know, Jared Evans was either third or fourth. I can't remember, but, um, so it once we got to a point where I mean we know we knew pretty early that um we had won we'd won the national championship. And I think what happened with that was like it just allowed guys to really go out and wrestle their matches and wrestle free. Um so yeah, I think it just was really freeing for the athletes, like, okay, like this thing's wrapped up. I don't have to worry about, you know, my performance impact and the team's performance. I can go out and be the best version of myself. And in that, like, there was still some heartbreakers, you know, uh Jamel Tidwell was somebody I'm really close with and um, you know, have you know, just really had a great relationship and appreciation. We still do. You know, still talk to him all the time. You know, he was wrestling at a time where if he's if he's in, if he's in Division Three at any other time, then he probably wins a couple of national champions. But he's happens to be there at a time when there was just one of the most talented Division Three wrestlers in the history of Division Three. Dustin Hinchberger was coming through, and um, you know, and, and Jamel just couldn't get over, could, just couldn't, we couldn't figure out a way to beat you know Hinchberger. So that part of it was pretty cool, um, but it was really a you know a really, really um, good team. I met that year. I mean, we'd beaten, we'd beaten Oregon. We beat Oregon state. We placed ahead of the Naval Academy. Yeah. I met like that team was really good, you mm-hmm. know, like a division one type good, but most of the guys that we had on the team that had division one experience, you know, and it was a really talented team. But yeah. We went out to the Oregon classic and beat Oregon, beat Oregon state. Um, I can't remember. We beat another division one team. Uh, we went down to Florida and wrestled in the sunshine, um, wow. open and beat the Naval Academy. So. Wow. Um, yeah. What's it like? Um, I haven't been to one yet, but it's my goal sooner rather than later to get to one. What's it like wrestling Wartburg? You know, now it's called the battle of the birds. I don't know if it was quite dubbed that back then. Yeah. I mean, that's, got to be such a cool atmosphere it's a cool atmosphere you know one of my last years at augsburg you know i talked to coach uh, swenson and the the leadership into letting us bring in a one of those four foot rise stages and uh, um so we brought in a platform and and we hired brock lesnar to MC the event um <laughs> it, and uh it was just a back and forth dual meet and you know we wore ties when we coached back then and so did Warburg. And by the end of the night, you looked over and like our ties are like half ripped down. And I remember coach Miller, coach Miller looked like, you know, he'd just been run over by a truck, but it was like a back and forth dual meet. And, um, and they're small, they're small venues. So, you know, it's not Carver Hawkeye, but when you take 2,500 people and you cram them into a small gym, it creates an electric, you know, atmosphere. And then you have these really highly competitive, uh, matches and you have Brock Lesnar, you know, body slamming the mascot. <laughs> um, it's uh, it, it's really good for the sport of wrestling. And that that just makes me think of the West Gym at you and I. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. It's a lot. It's a lot like that, you know. Except for um, 
the fans, well, you know, we get, you know, I shouldn't say this because they'll probably change how they treat us. But when we come, whenever we go to Cedar Falls, you know, with Iowa being such a, you know, patriotic and respectful, um, you know, part of the country, um, we get treated maybe a little bit better than we should at West Jim. So it's not as hostile for us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, that leads me into, I guess, a question I was going to ask was, what's it like? You know, now that you're at the Air Force Academy, training wrestlers who are also training to be in the military. I mean, that's, you know, it's it's almost like wrestling is a little less than because at the end of the day, they're members of the military and they're putting their life on the line, maybe at the end of this. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's less than I think it's more than because really? less wrestling becomes wrestling becomes the tool to where you learn how to pursue excellence and um, and to uh, set goals and achieve achieve the objective. Right. Mm-hmm. So what you learn in the sport of wrestling, you're going to take that and you're going to turn that around and you're going to get in the cockpit of a multimillion dollar F-35 jet and you're going to go do the nation's work. Right. So it's really important what you learn on sport wrestling, because you're going to take that with you and it's going to impact how you show up and defending, you know, our, our values and our, and our constitution. So um, wrestling is a really important tool here um, for growth and development. And, and this is, you know, this is one of my greatest passions right now. And I'm on the far, whatever side of it you want to say, right. Um, because the way we're going and, in, in the world and the sport and in, in, in athletics, college athletics right now with name, image and likeness and transfer portal and, and all this stuff and what it's turned into and how it's being, um, how it's being used. Um, you know, we're a true um, transformational experience where we use athletics as a vehicle to develop our athletes for their future opportunities. Like that's what that, that was the original idea behind organized sport. Right. So um, that part that that's where sport had a place in society was like it was like, hey, this is a thing where you can learn these other skills that can you know shape who you become. And that's what that's what ninety nine percent of the people that do sports do. Right. Like not very few people end up playing college athletics. Right. Like two percent. Right. You know, two percent. So all those high school athletes, they're using what they learn in sport and they're applying it to their jobs, you know, doing what they're doing, you know, on the day to day. Right. But when you got to college, it was still supposed to be an extension of that, but it shifted away from that. So at the Air Force Academy, for me, if I wasn't coaching here, I wouldn't coach, you know, because I'm just not interested in the things that excite me about coaching is is being part of, you know, using sport as a vehicle to teach life lessons and, and have a transformational experience. So I think if you have a championship culture, there's, there's value in that, that makes that even enhances that there's other great skills that come out of a championship culture. So I'm not saying we're not trying to win. We're absolutely trying to win at the highest level because there's things you learn in, in, in doing that. Um, you know, because when our guys go, when our guys go into the military, like we're, we're the world's greatest military fighting force, right? We're, we're the Penn state, you know, (laughs) you know, we're the, we're the Penn state of, you know, of your time, it's a wrestling, right. Um, you know, that, you know, we're, we're a dynasty that way. And we, uh, losing is not an option, you know, losing is not an option. So, you know, when our guys go out, um, and do and do their job like losing is not an option wow yeah and I, I guess i didn't mean to to say that wrestling was less than um i just meant no, I, an aspect of like the grand scheme where they're yeah but uh yeah well here's the other thing here's 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 why it's not less than either because it's not the type of program we run so there's three there's three parts there's three pieces to um being at the united states air force academy number one is that you're here to um, for service and leadership, right? So that's that's piece number one. Number two, you're here to get a world class education, and number three, you're here to compete at the highest level. And who you are anywhere is who you are everywhere. So if you want to be the best version of yourself, you can't compartmentalize um, your pursuit of excellence and just say, "Well, I'm just going to focus on leadership or academics or wrestling." So 
it, it's a it's a requirement to be part of our team to pursue excellence on and off the mat and everything that you do. Right. We 100 percent mandatory require you to be the best version of yourself as a leader um, as you're here um, as a student as an athlete so that's another reason it's not less than where wrestling doesn't take a back seat here um you know wyatt hendrickson uh multiple different you know great examples um our best wrestlers have always been our best leaders and our best students too so the guys that have struggled are the guys that can't connect to that concept of like hey if i want to be the best wrestler i can be then i really need to double down and be the best version of myself in the classroom and in the squadron as well yeah um how how do you collaborate you know with the rigors of the academics and the requirements of the military how do you collaborate as a university you know being the wrestling coach but also overseeing you know what they also have committed to the day it's military academies they're not they're they're structured not restriction restrictive so time management is kind of like your time is cut up for you already and we just ask guys to be where their feet are planted so you know just show up with a great attitude um you know ready to do the work um you know in the right uniform and um with the right gear and and then just you know try to be your best and those and whatever that block of time is if you're if you're in the squadron leading like show up and be the best version of yourself in the squadron leading right and don't be thinking about academics and athletics and then when you're in class like be focused on you know be there be there be physically emotionally and mentally present in class and be the best version of yourself in the classroom and then when you come down at three o'clock and you cross the red line and you walk into the wrestling room um, you know, for two hours, whatever else is going on in your life, leave it outside that wrestling room and become the best version of yourself as an athlete. And it's really that simple. If you can do that, you can discipline yourself just to like be where your feet are planted and be focused and intentional during those times. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a juggling act anymore, mm-hmm. you know, cause everything's got its time and its space. How'd you learn that as a coach, you know, that that might be the best philosophy or the best way to go about you know, being the coach at the Air Force Academy? Um, I didn't learn it right away. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, your brother-in-law probably tell you that. You know, like, I didn't know it when I first got there. Mm-hmm. So I think just over a period of time, um, you just start, you like, you you try things, right? Like, you know, good judgment comes from bad experience. So, you know, I made some poor choices and and how I was trying to, you know, coach guys at a service academy and and maybe didn't have my eyes wide open that like, hey, wrestling's not wrestling everywhere. It's different here. Um, you know, I don't want to tell Army and Navy what I'm doing. I don't want them to know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, um. So uh, it's uh, I just feel like, you know, we've 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 cracked the code on it. And, and um, a big part of it is just embracing the institution and um, and being we talk about it all the time. We say we're mission first value based. And that's really been that's, you know, like when we made that shift and, you know, they're not just words, you know, on a piece of paper to us. They're things that we live into every day. But yeah, that's been that's been the shift is that when we've finally realized that, like, if you fully immerse yourself in this and you and you jump in with both feet to be in a mission first program, then um, you're not swimming upstream anymore. When did you realize that that was working? You know, um, obviously, this past year was very special. We'll get into that. But when did you realize that your your program was starting to turn the corner a little bit and that you were seeing the results that you you thought you could see all along well i think it's again like you know when i I first became the head coach in 2014 and um kind of had a sense i wanted to move that direction but wasn't um wasn't able to move the needle very fast very far so it was incremental so it took a lot of slow adjustments and you know that's that's probably been the thing is like been trying to move in that way since day one but it's just been it's been slow you know to move it and then the thing that accelerated it was actually covid um you know covid allowed us to really um figure out who loved wrestling in our program and who wanted to be part of our our program for like what we wanted it to be 
So COVID, COVID, you know, a lot of people's obviously a lot of negatives and a lot of tragic things and loss of life, but also like for Air Force wrestling, it was, it, that was probably the catalyst that, you know, you know, finally got us over the hump and being who we wanted to be. So that part of it, it was just, you know, slow incremental change. Um, you know, our program is built on retention, development, and relationships. So I might have been able to do it faster if I just started, you know, kicking guys off the team that weren't bought in, right? But that's not who we are. And again, like at the end of the day, we're supposed to use the sport of wrestling to develop future leaders for our Air Force and Space Force. So um, it just took time. It took, you know, it took Coach Bachman 25, 26 years to get all get an All-American, you know, and it, and it took, took me, took nine years, you know, here. So it's, um, as they say, there's no shortcuts in this stuff, you know? Um, but I think just the small incremental changes of like trying to move that direction and, um, guys having success helps because, yeah. you know, I think that that makes it a lot easier to buy in. Um, and then when, Again, I think being a mission first program and I think our guys know that we're we're 100 percent behind them holistically for everything. So knowing that they have our support academically, athletically, um, you know, militarily and for their future jobs in the Air Force. Um, I think that hopefully that played into it, too. Yeah. What's it mean to have someone like Wyatt Hendrickson, you know, at the forefront of your program? How important, you know, is that? Well, I think, you know, why it's just, you know, he's, he's been the, he's been the, um, the spotlight, right. He's been, mm-hmm. you know, we've been doing what we've been doing. We've been who we are. He's obviously, you know, very gifted and, uh, you know, special athlete, but he works really hard too. I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, he's, he's made some great growth in our program, but I think he, and then if you listen to any of his interviews, you know, we're pretty well aligned, you know, the same things I'm talking to you about the same things he's talking to people about too. So I think that's a good thing. Like what does buy-in look like? Well, when you're at your, your best athlete, your star athlete is out there talking about, you know, who we are as an institution. And it's the same thing I'm telling you, um, you know, that's pretty powerful, I think. Uh, and the guys, and again, the guys on the team, they look at Wyatt and they're like, why well, do the same thing that he does every day? So why shouldn't I have the same result? Right. And, and we have some guys that I mean, we were 18th in the country this year. We tied Oklahoma state and we're still playing the what if game, right? Like, Hey, what if Sam, what if, what if Sam Wolf hadn't had uh, been wrestling with a dislocated shoulder, right? Hey, what if, you know, Cody Fippen wins the overtime match against Zach Redding? you know, in, in uh, Iowa State, right? Um, hey, what if Gianno Petricelli didn't break his foot in, um, in January, you know? So, like, we're, we're, everybody's like, oh, my God, you guys are 18th. We're sitting here going like, man, we could have been in the top 10. Wow. Yeah, I was going to ask, you know, how special was this last year? Um, but it, it seems like you're, you're thinking this, it could have been more special, you know? <laughs> I think every coach goes through that. Right. And then it's like, it's right. So I think, but that, but really like, honestly, like there was still, there was still, there was still, still more water in the rock. Uh, you know, we could have squeezed more out of it. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's definitely we left points, you know, off the board at the NCAAs and a lot of that, again, more circumstances again, Sam Wolf's shoulder was a big part of that. Like, and what he did in spite of it was just incredible just to get himself there. Right. Just to beat. um, Devos, you know, to get himself there, a guy that, you know, beat him the year before and him to do it and him to beat Demetrius Romero. And, um, like it was incredible. And there's just so many, I mean, I could tell you stories about all 10 of our guys in our lineup and about the impact that they made, you know, and again, John Petricelli broke his foot and, you know, he was, you know, we think he's really a pretty, um, talented, pretty consistent athlete. That's going to be back in our lineup this year. Um, you know, Cody Fippen and don't people talk about why it's so much. They forget that Cody Fippen pinned two guys in the big 10, right. And a, and a two-time all American and Chris Cannon and then lost an lost an overtime match. And, you know, I think put, puts himself in a position to, you know, get him on the podium. So, um, yeah, we, um, yeah, we felt like it was an amazing special year, but we definitely felt like we still, there were still opportunities where, we could have, we could have nudged it forward just a little bit more. 
Yeah, you know, just to name a few things. I mean, yes, you have Y Henderson, but as a team, you were eight and six in duels. You know, Y Hendrickson doesn't wrestle ten weights. You know, you beat Cal, yeah. who was the big, tw- you know, the big, the Pac twelve champs. You know, you yeah. have high seven medalists, and you placed fifth as a team at the Big Twelves. You know, they're as a team, you guys were rolling. You know, yeah. So, um, I just yeah, the culture seems to be shifting, and everything seems you know seems like you're kind of like a freight train right now. Heading, yeah, I think. That's the that's the, that's the next part, right? The next part is like sustainability. You know, what's it look like to sustain it, right? Um, it's not, you know, and like, what's it look like to say, well, hey, it's not based on a generational talent in Wyatt Hendrickson. Like, you know, how do you how do you reload instead of rebuild? You know, and I think we you know we've got some pretty good national ranked recruiting classes, and we're recruiting the guys that we think fit our program, and you know that that'll be the next thing. I think. Um, We'll see. You know, I think what what we said coming off from this year is that we were going to double down on our on on our values, and we were going to you know make recommit ourselves to the basic things that got us here. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, that it's that that's always a, the age old saying. You know, it's it's easier to climb the mountain than it is to stay atop the mountain. And I know you haven't probably you feel like you haven't reached the top of the mountain. You're still climbing, but um, to keep that momentum. You know, you know, I don't want to say, especially at a program like an Air Force Academy where there's I don't want to say there's restrictions, but it's it can be a little more difficult than, you know, um, a Penn State or an Iowa where you don't have as I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't want to say that, like being at Air Force or the Navy hold, you know, holds you back a little bit because of the circumstances in order to get in. And, yeah, you know. But yeah, yeah. Obviously, for us, you know, um, it is special, right? This was 18th. You know, there's only been two teams, two service cabin teams in the last 52 years that have been in the top 20, right? So it is special, you know. So I can't. Yeah, I think you know, for me as a coach, like I have to be, you know, blindly, blindly biased and say that there is no difference between us and Penn State, right? Right. Um, but but the reality of it is, is probably. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, again, the data, that's, that's not a true statement. So there is some differences and, um, but I wouldn't call them challenges. You know, there are opportunities. Um, I like, you define success differently, you know, for us to do what we did this year, it's probably like being a top four team. It's, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of winning a trophy, right. Um, at the NCAA tournament. So, because, on top of that, what you got to do, what you got to look at is say like, well, not only did we do this, but we also graduated seven seniors that commissioned in the Air Force and the Space Force that, you know, in 60 days are going to sign up, are going to start serving and start doing, you know, the nation's work, protecting our freedoms, right? So that part of it, you got to look at the end product of what we're producing and what those guys are doing, and you got to factor that into the equation. So mm-hmm. um, that there's just other people aren't doing that. You know, so I think for us, like there's just multiple different ways that we measure success and a big part for us, um, getting the guys to graduation is one piece of that, right? Get, getting them commissioned. Uh, then there's the first three to four years. Like the, how do they, how do they go out and assimilate into the Air Force and Space Force? Do they go out and do they on, on day one, do they make it, do they start pursuing excellence and making an impact. And then there's when they be, you know, Hey, they decide to stay in the air force for, you know, that five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years and become company grade officers. It's like, well, are they, are they, are they starting to separate themselves from the pack now? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as they get a little bit further into their career, and again, Steve Crozier, you mentioned, you know, is, is, you know, he was, he was the first guy that I interacted with a guy here that I had a connection to because of my background of Northeast Iowa that um, I've been able to follow his Air Force career all the way through in my 15 years now. And now he separated himself from the pack in the Air Force. And just like he had here at the Air Force Academy and just like in wrestling. And so there's as much pride seeing these guys, what they do uh, in selfless service uh, when they're in the Air Force as there is um, when you're seeing them get their hand raised on the wrestling mat. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, 
every, like you said earlier, you know, everything that you're teaching them and wrestling translates into the military or into life. And also maybe a little bit of vice versa, you know, they might bring a little bit of that military or, you know, what they're learning at the Academy into the wrestling room, you know, and applying it there it's too. Good, it's good stuff, man. It's all the, it's all the stuff that your mom and dad been trying to teach you your whole life, you know, how, how to te- <laughs> teach people with daily respect, how to work hard, right? Like it's, it's the stuff, it's all those values that like, you know, moms and dads have been preaching for their kids their whole life. That's just who we are. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I tell people all the time, like, man, like you want to come here, like you're going to become the version of yourself that, you know, you've always wanted to become and your parents is the way you want to become. Like, um, I don't know. I got a, you know, I got a 10 year old daughter and, and maybe I'm influenced too much by the time I spent here, but like, would I be more proud if she was an Olympic champion and whatever sport versus if she turned out to be just a hardworking kind, compassionate person of character and integrity that just shows up in a consistent basis every day and makes the world a better place. You know, for me, it's probably option number two, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, you know, and that's, and that's what we do here. Yeah. What was it like? It's not, sorry, go ahead. It's just, I think it's just, we talk a lot about, you know, who, who are you, you know, it's, it's about who you are and not what you do. It's about who you are. It's not what you've done. Right. Mm-hmm. And in the fleeting, the fleeting, especially in sport, like, you know, who remembers, who remembers, you know, who won the Super Bowl three years ago? I don't like, I mean, I don't, I mean, obviously I probably couldn't tell you who won it last year either though. You know, in fairness, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but it's like, right. It's just like so fleeting. And, and it's like that part of it. I just feel like we're just, pursuing the wrong things because i'm not i I don't get into too much but i've experienced my own in my own experiences like it just people people move fast in the world we live in today um especially in sport right Uh, like it's like yeah it's really important this year until this year is over and then like man you know you don't remember any of that stuff and then it's next year so like who you become is so much more important than you know, what tournament you want. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Um, who, who have you become? I'll ask you that, you know, like from the start of your, your coaching career until now you've evolved and yeah. Have you evolved into somebody that you can be proud of? Cause that, that can be hard to look at yourself in the mirror and sometimes. Yeah. So I, you know, I have enough people who know me, you know, and know that like knew me when I wasn't, being who I wanted to be, you know, that I better be doggone honest about, you know, this question because growing up back in Western New York, I wasn't a good person on a good path. When I got to, you know, upper Iowa, I wasn't being who I wanted to be, you know, and when, after that, um, when I coached, um, you know, like I wasn't showing up the way I should be showing up as a professional coach. When I got to Augsburg, I was, I wasn't doing it the right way. And I was, and I was, and I was becoming a version of myself that, um, you know, blindly didn't understand who I was becoming, but my friends saw it and they didn't like it, you know, and it impacted some relationships. So, um, here, um, I make mistakes every day. Um, you know, I don't lead myself as well as I should to be leading others. So, um, it just kind of a to quote one of my uh you guy I look up to a Mark Schwab like I'm just a broken man trying to be better every day you know so um, you know that part of it it's just like anything we do you know in, in, in trying to prove yourself you're climbing a mountain with no top there is no destination you're just trying to be a better version of yourself each day and um with anything you know I fall short make mistakes and don't show up the way I want to show up. So, you know, I, you know, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I'm grateful that I'm better than I used to be. Yes. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being honest and candid about that. You know, that I could probably say the same thing for myself 10 years ago, I was on a path and, you know, there's a, I guess there's a reason why I'm still in college at age of 31. It's because I went down a path that I shouldn't have, I wasn't proud of, and it in fact, you know, impacted relationships. So, you know, but 
uh, turned a corner, you know, eventually. And yeah, I like to think I'm better than I used to be, but yeah, again, nowhere near probably where I want to be. So, um, yeah, I can relate to that. Um, you know, now kind of making it a little lighthearted here now. Um, so I talked to Nate angle and he said, you ran into him at Fargo and you wanted to take his phone and put it under your pillow. So he wasn't calling recruits that you were going to call because he's such a good recruiter. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Remember that? Yeah. I've probably told him like that, that are different versions of that multiple times. He's, um, you know, he's just world-class at what he does. Not not just in recruiting and everything. He's a world-class coach, but yeah, he's, but guys like him, um, guys like him, you know, he he makes this all better. Right. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, Nate's, uh, you know, got to work with Nate. He he told you that he um, was, started out coaching in college with us, right. At the air force Academy. Um, He said, no, he didn't say that. No, no, we we must've just walked over that. So he was a volunteer assistant um, here at the Air Force Academy for a year. And then the transition happened and my head was spinning a little bit. And um, I didn't probably have my ducks in a row enough to like have the have the vision enough to find a way to keep them. And uh, so he went to the Naval Academy with Coach Sherritt. And, uh, and then from Naval Academy to Stanford, I think Stanford to Oregon State, mm-hmm. and you know, in his, in his, he's just he's in he's in the first couple chapters of his coaching career, right? He's just writing mm-hmm. that story, and it's going to be a great story. But yeah, he um, he's one of those guys that yeah, I'd love to take his phone for about a week and uh, <laughs> see if uh, see if it would slow him down. But knowing Nate, you know, he'd quickly adapt and overcome that. It would it wouldn't. It'd just be a speed bump for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I could feel the same way about you, though. You know, that if you, if all of a sudden Sam Barber showed up to, you know, recruit, or, or I heard he was going to recruiting's house, recruits house, I'd be like, oh, geez, uh oh, uh oh, they're going to love him. So what am I supposed to do? You know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that gets harder as you get older, you know? <laughs> I still say, what's up, dog, you know, so like, that's not as, that's not as cool and hip with, you know, this generation of guys. And I don't really have a social media presence. Um, so that part for me, uh, I decided to double down on, um, uh, if we're going to work together, it's because we're going to build a relationship and it's going to be a good fit. Uh, mm-hmm. it's not going to be because of, um, some surface level, uh, stuff I'm posting on Snapchat or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, lastly, I want to talk to you real quick about your assistant, Joe Johnston. Um, yeah. I on Facebook the other day. He was, I don't know what he, he ran or he did some, I, I forget. I should have looked at it before, but he's just an animal. Uh, he is just an animal. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, um, he, yeah, he ran a 50-mile race. It's called That's the, Lead, the Leadville 50, yeah. Um, yeah, so he's um, he ran a 50-mile race called, called the Leadville 50. It's in Leadville, Colorado. And Leadville is the highest city in the United States of America. So the city of Leadville is at 10,500 feet. Oh my gosh. So that's where you, that's where you start, right? Like, if you ever been out to Colorado, you know, Colorado Springs is six thousand. The Mile High City is five thousand five hundred something, right? You know, the Air Force Academy is seventy two hundred, but you feel like you're um, breathing through a straw, you know, when you first get out here. So to do to go up to ten thousand feet, and that's where you start. And it was fifty miles, and over that fifty miles, you gain some kind of ridiculous amount of elevation of like um, fifteen thousand feet. Right. So you're uh, the first 10 miles. I think you gain like three to four thousand feet. Oh, my God. Which is crazy. I mean, that's like again, that's like being in Colorado Springs and climbing to the top of Pikes Peak, almost something like Mm -hmm. that. So not only is it 50 miles, but it's 50 miles of this like um, elevation, this insane elevation gain, a little bit of loss and you climb again. But it's also on this like just brutal terrain. You're running over these rocks that are like they're the size of softballs and you're and you're trying to like run on this stuff. So, um, yeah, he and he does he does once a year uh, he, he does something like you know, really pushes himself. And that's kind of his thing. That's what he loves to do. It's kind of in his DNA and his makeup. And again, mm-hmm. that bleeds into our team too, right? 
So, but he usually does full Ironmans and, um, I don't want to take, talk about, take, you know, kind of talk for him too much, but said that this, uh, this 50 mile race was quite a bit more challenging than an Ironman. So, yeah. And I believe it. What about you? Do you do yeah. that, uh, the race uh, or push yourself? <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, you know, we all kind of, you know, for me, it's not, again, like I told you, like it is having an affinity for pushing myself and challenging things. And that's kind of moved, um, out of the wrestling room and into the mountains. But, you know, when I get it, whenever I get a chance, I'll go and do some, you know, do some mountain biking or, you know, some whitewater kayaking or backcountry skiing and, um, stuff like that to, uh, try and push myself and challenge myself a little bit. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Hey, I appreciate you doing this. You know, I know you're busy and especially Fargo coming up, you have a daughter, um, but yeah, I just appreciate you taking the time to to talk with me about your program and the success you're having, and this and I'll, I'll you know I might want to say the success you're going to have you know, um, it's special especially at you know uh, an academy. It's just just I don't know why it means a little more. It just just seems like it does, you know. Yeah, well, you know, again, like bias, definitely feel the same way, you know. But for us, it's just feel you know feel grateful and blessed to to get up and do what I do every day. And, um, again, what you do versus who you do it with. Right. So to work with the kids on our team, they're not kids work with the young men on our team. Um, you know, work with the, the coaches on our staff, uh, the people in our administration, it's a world-class institution in every sense of the word. You can't, you can't, you know, throw a rock around the air force Academy without hitting some kind of, you know, high performing special person. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, just to be in that environment every day, um, you know, again, it's just, it's been, it's been a blessing and, you know, and, uh, we'll see, see where, see what, uh, see, see, hopefully, uh, you know, what lies in front of us here. And I think one of the things, we, you know, to use an analogy, we've talked about, you know, climbing mountains a lot. You know, one of the things we talk about is climbing a mountain with no top, you know, so there is, there is no destination, you know, you just keep climbing and, um, you know, that's for me is a very powerful thing because, again, I do spend time in the mountains and, you know, that falls into my to my personal life, like who I'm trying to become. Right. There is no there is no end point. There is no destination. Like it's just you just keep climbing. And same with the program. Right. Yeah. 18th in the country. Um, that's really good for a service academy. And, you know, plus all the other things we did with it academically, athletically and and, and, the, and the guys that we put, you know, into the Air Force and Space Force. But um you know, with that, that doesn't mean we're not going to try and keep pursuing, you know, whatever's next and in, 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 in a better, better, a better version of our program. Yeah, I like the analogy of uh, climbing a mountain without a top, um, because <clears throat> sometimes when you get to the top, you you just like, all right, I'm done. Like, that's it. Uh, or you become complacent or whatever. But if you never see that top you, you just kind of keep climbing and you don't realize you know how what you're capable of because you're just i don't know what i'm trying to say but basically you just keep climbing the mountain and next thing you know you're like holy cow i'm i've gotten higher than i ever thought i could but if yeah. you kind of put like a an end point you may stop climbing yeah i think i get accused a little bit of never being happy you know and my mm-hmm. my wife is the number one you know person that will tell you that you're never happy you're never happy it's like well the second i'm happy is the second we should all be worried you know because that means i've probably become complacent right you know and um and again it doesn't matter if it's in my personal or professional life it's like it's not that i don't uh i'm never like just drives me crazy the people that pursue happiness you know i'm like oh i, I, I didn't do this because you know i want to do what makes me happy i'm like like that is like the worst thing in the world you could pursue is the pursuit of happiness you know happiness is based on circumstances and circumstances always change so you're never going to be happy so versus pursuing happiness you know pursue um passion and joy and you know well what's different what's what's different about joy than happiness well joy is a is a deeper a deeper feeling based on um a sense of accomplishment not a sense not not a sense of a of a achievement and it can't be joy can't be achieved by um through material possessions you know mm-hmm. 
yeah again yeah thanks alan yeah end it there that that was good i just i appreciate it and again for somebody who you know you want to say doesn't have the credentials you're doing one hell of a job and you know so the, well, appreciate like, appreciate yeah. reaching out kelby yeah it's good I, you know look forward to let me know how i can help you grow your podcast and your listener base and um, I appreciate it. you know obviously you got a, a great talent for this and do a great job and you got a passion for for telling telling the story and of our sport and the impact it makes so appreciate what you do thank you i i, I appreciate the that you don't have to be um excellent or you don't have to have all these credentials to be make a positive impact in the sport you know um so yeah yeah who is who is the most influential coach in your life that's a good question uh because I, I kind of had a love-hate relationship with wrestling. You know, I had a lot of competition anxiety, and I was never able to kind of get over that hump until later, until I started talking to people like you and others in the sport that helped me realize that I wasn't the only one. Um, yeah. You know, it's easy to probably say my Uncle Chet. You know, he was the one who coached yeah. me, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, how, and how old are you when he was coaching you? So my dad sort of coached me. I didn't really get coached by him until high school. But yeah. I just respected him so much and what he did. And I listened, you know, I, I listened because of what he had done. And uh, he also looked kind of stern, you know, he never really, it took him a lot to smile. It seemed like now he smiles a little more, but um, you know, so you just, you were, I was a little intimidated by him, but yeah. But yeah. What about you? Well, I think, well I would, you know, I, again, I didn't start wrestling until late. Right. So my, uh, my, my first high school coach, you know, Bill Waggle, right. But you know, you know what place Bill Waggle got in the state tournament? Like, I don't know either. Like it didn't matter. Right. Like, so, our, you know, right. Like your youth coach, like a lot of people say their youth coach was, you know, their most influential coach, their favorite coach. It was their high school coach. Right. And mm -hmm. um, you know, and maybe a lot of high school coaches maybe placed in the state tournament, but very, 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 very few of them placed in the Division One national championships, right? So it's just crazy how we get caught up on that credential piece when most of us, even the highest level wrestlers, will look back and tell you that, you know, the most influential coach in their life sometimes was their dad, you know, and their dad never was a Division One national champion, right? So you know, the, your youth coach was never a division one national champion. Your high school coach probably wasn't a division one national champion. And just the, uh, you know, that part of it, like, I don't know where the narrative comes from, I guess. Right. Yeah. No, I guess you're probably right. I guess now, you know, it, my dad got me the start. So, you know, it probably was my dad and then Chet, but yeah, Chet never placed. No. Yeah. And then the, uh, the football analogy of what position did Bill Belichick play? <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Because he yeah. did. Right. You know, so it's just, you know, we're uh, we're unique and great for our own reasons in wrestling. But we're also um, broken for our own reasons, too. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Sam Barber, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my new Facebook page to hear more of my content. Don't forget to check out my website, Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling Podcast. Take care. See you next time.